This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, also in the budget, the Ontario government announced a multi-year plan to fix auto insurance. And as I said, most everyone can agree on one thing. Auto insurance is in dire need of a fix. The, quote, putting driver's first plan is promising to ensure that insurance resources are used to pay for the treatment accident victims need to recover from their injuries. And this addresses an important issue raised in the 2017 report by David Marshall that hundreds of millions of dollars of insurance benefits are diverted each year into contingency fees for lawyers. The government has committed to re-evaluating the legal contingency fee arrangement to ensure consumers are protected. These changes will also give consumers greater choice in the coverage and better control over the price. Now, those last two things, frankly, when I hear them, they kind of scare me because in the past... That's led to less coverage and more costs. So I'm going to give the numbers out again, and I'm sure that people will weigh in on their experience with auto insurance. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I'm here with Pete Karagiorgis, who is the Director of Consumer and Industry Relations at the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Hi, Pete. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Libby. Okay. So, uh how important is this? They didn't say much in the budget. Well, they outlined their roadmap or their plan. And what they did say is that this is a longer term multi-year strategy, which makes sense because we've seen governments who have come in and say, we're going to fix this overnight and it doesn't really happen. So I think that's the responsible thing to do. Um, and it's really uh, Interesting to look at even the budget bill because they have actually introduced some of that within the budget bill, particularly with regards to things like the electronic pink slips. And I know we've talked about that in the past. They've actually introduced legislation to make that a reality. So that's the first thing that looks like we're going to see. Mm-hmm. So that's getting your your stuff electronically rather than sending it out. Sending it out in mail form, having to have a, a paper copy with you or in your car. There's an electronic. And, and so many people do like to deal with things electronically in this day and age. So it's it's nice that we are finally at least getting into the 20th century, if not the 21st century yet. Okay. So there's this whole issue, the way... It often works now. Uh, we know that on the one hand, there is a problem with insurance fraud, obviously, but people get hurt in accidents and uh, they go to their insurance company. The insurance company fights it and then they get a lawyer and the lawyer gets lots of money in contingency fees. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not that familiar with the legalities of what the government can do to set uh, legal fees or the problems with, with the insurance companies. But well, I, I think Libby and, and, and many people will appreciate that 
lawyers and courtrooms do not help injured people get better. Yeah, treatment rooms, rooms and doctors do, and and so the government is saying we need to focus on getting the care that people need, not focusing on the dollars. And I think that's important because that's something that the Marshall Report and David Marshall, uh, in his report to the prior government, talked about, and and you talked about some of the other issues. So this government is actually being uh, measured and responsible in its approach of looking for things to improve. And and when you do have a claim. There are a whole sorts, all sorts of paperwork that needs, and it can be confusing. The paperwork uh, is confusing. The ability for an individual to document and prove how injured they were and what treatment they need is challenging and, and requires assessments at times. So the government is saying, let's simplify this. Let's make sure people get the treatment they need as quickly as they can get it. And, and that makes sense. And, and from our standpoint as, as an industry, uh, we're supportive of steps that will help people recover quickly. Yeah, but, you know, one of the complaints you hear, somebody is injured, then they have to go to an industry-designated doctor or physio who says, well, no, actually, you're not that injured. Really, you don't need all this. Well, not not in, not in all the cases. In many cases, again, uh, simple injuries should be handled quite uh, quickly. Sometimes when there are disputes, when there are questions, and that's the problem, is trying to eliminate and, and resolve some of those disputes rather than uh, focusing on trying to monetize how much this injury is. Let's focus on getting people the treatment that they need. And I think that mindset, that paradigm shift really is what uh, ultimately will be beneficial to anyone who's injured so that you can focus your time and effort on getting those treatments rather than having to go and, and deal with the dispute mechanisms. And so if people can do it, on their own without having to seek out professional legal advice, so much so the better. The system shouldn't need to have costs added to it where people need to go to lawyers. And that's part of the discussion and the debate that went on and, and what the Marshall Report is really trying to highlight for well, us. Well, right. But if people got the treatment, if there was no argument with that, then they wouldn't go with to the lawyers, right? And the, the lawyers exactly. uh, take contingency, and sometimes there's not transparency because they'll say we'll take we'll take thirty uh, percent or whatever the contingency is. Then suddenly there are all these charges for photocopying documents and suddenly it balloons and who gets most of the money? Well, exactly. And that's what the government is, is saying in the budget too, is, is the document talks about trying to create some transparency, working with the law society on the contingency fee arrangements, making those. So if people actually do need to hire a lawyer, they know up front what it may cost them. But ideally the system works best when, as I said before, we can focus on getting the care to individuals. But I'm just trying to see where the bottleneck is. So it's, I mean, it would seem that the 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 first thing is that it, the insurance companies aren't aren't willing to just say, okay, hey, take as much physio as you want. Well, it, it talks about, and and the the uh, Marshall report talks about things such as uh, programs of care. 
and, and if you're hurt, if you have a broken leg, what's the first thing you do is set it and mm-hmm. you go to the hospital to do that. Should be no different if you're involved in a motor vehicle collision and crash and you break your leg there. You should have it set and then look at the recovery in terms of do you need physio? What other things do you need to get you back to your uh, pre-accident condition? And so using these programs of care would make it clearer for people. If this is the injury that I have, here's the path I'm on to get better. And I think that is something that the government is willing to look at so that we can be clear. It's it, individuals who have other benefits plans, for example, through work, you know ahead of time how much dental you're covered for, how many, how much money you can spend on crowns, on uh, cleanings. Yeah. on th- You should have the same type of knowledge ahead of time with your auto policy. And that's, uh, again, creating uh, some... Focus on care in the system, not the cash. Oh, which putting is, it in the policy. Okay, yeah. that that makes sense. Let's uh, take a call from Clay and Ajax. Hi, Clay. Hi, how are you today? Fine. How are you? Not bad. I was just, you know, they uh, didn't deal about car insurance. I was with the same company for seventeen years, never had a claim, and all of a sudden, uh, two years ago, they jacked my policy up by about eight hundred dollars. And you know, I mean, I phoned the office, and all they got was a runaround. So obviously, I did the same, the sensible thing. I changed brokers. And I got it for a dollar more than I've been paying for all those other years. It just doesn't make sense. Uh huh. I mean, really? Did they explain? No. That's and that's that's the part that really frustrated me. The, the the broker that I've been dealing with, the guy himself, he had no explanation. He said, "Oh, there must have been a mix-up in the office." Well, you know, it's too late now. I've changed. But, uh, you uh, know, like now, Libby, you remember way back when you watched TV and you saw all those uh, those lawyers down in the states that uh, claim yeah. justice and all. Now we're as bad as they're here, all here now. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, yeah, and you you would think that you know the the broker who's selling you the insurance. I mean, they should have to do something for their money, right? Well, I mean, you think that they have different insurance companies. That's why you have a broker, right? Well, well, and, and that's a great point because yeah. obviously, when you've got a system uh, that encourages competition, companies are going to uh, compete for business. And so this is another point that the uh, the budget document talks about is increasing the level of competition so people can do just that, can shop around. But again, I think and, and the benefit is and, and where the challenge lies sometimes at the insurance bureau, I've said this before, we have our consumer information center and we will ask and, and provide guidance to consumers with insurance questions. There needs to be more of that done. And, and I think this government is uh, through the Financial Services Regulatory Authority going to be focused on helping consumers more and providing advice and guidance for consumers because many times we don't look at our policies, we don't read it until we actually They don't make it. them very easy to no, read. No, you got to watch the fine print, which is actually yeah. the border around the policy. Well, yeah, yeah it's, 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 all, it's all word, it's a contract, and we need to do a better job as an industry sharing that information and helping consumers know what it is they're getting and what they're I buying. I mean, you know, honestly... I only hear from my broker when when they want to get some more money. And and this is what I mentioned, uh, you know, in the throw, what scares me is, so we were supposed to get all these reductions, right? So I don't, I can't remember if I got a reduction or not. But then the broker calls me and says, hey, you know, you used to be covered for a million in liability, and now that's down to 300000 And if I were you, I would top that up. And and so we found after the last promise, government promised to reduce rates, that we were covered for less. And my fear is that if we have more of this pick-and-pay stuff, then you're going to wake up and you're not going to be properly covered. Just, uh, can I just say something? That- sure. 
you know, uh, Andrea Horvath is always bad most in the conservatives and uh, liberals and that. I mean, she was one of the big ones that was going to get the insurance reduced. Well, granted, she didn't get elected, but by the same token, uh, did she put a private member's bill in to have it reduced? Well, she they they uh, she got bamboozled because she supported the liberal government on the condition that they would reduce it. And guess what? It became a quote stretch goal that they didn't reach. Yeah. So that wasn't her fault. She tried. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thanks, Lynn. Okay. Bye. Uh, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's increasingly the frustrating part of of uh, what we're hearing is the political promises that are made. Um, and insurance is a business, and so to operate a business, you've got to focus on cost, like any other business. And if you can bring down your costs, you can affect your prices for your consumers. And in Ontario, it's been a challenge because we've had issues like that where governments make these statements, make these promises, and don't do their homework. And I think here you got to give credit, uh, as as much as uh, you know, some of the callers may not want to. You got to give credit to the government because they put out a, a survey request for. Ontarians, and they had over 51,000 responses, which is what they used to really guide them in in terms of how to fix the auto insurance system. And they recognized that, you know what, it's not a simple fix. You can't turn the light switch and fix it at at the flick of a coin or the drop of a hat. Um, So this is something that I think we're optimistic about is the fact that they've recognized there are different stakeholders. Consumers are the key. Uh, They need to know what their policy covers them for. And and, uh, we need to work as an industry uh, with the regulator and with others out there to meet the consumer's needs and uh, to help them understand uh, the product. We're talking about a promise that's in the budget to put drivers first and to fix auto insurance. Not necessarily very quickly. First, let's take a call from Don in Union. Hi, Don. Hi, Libby. Um, I'd like to ask Peter why my insurance, uh, we moved from Brampton. We lived there for 30 years. We moved down here to Union in the hopes of a a shorter income or or shorter cost of living. Um, My auto insurance which was about, cost me about, uh, oh, $100 a month for three vehicles. It increased $61 a month. It increased $700 a year. I'm curious to know why. From I thought Brampton had the highest. I, I, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure where where Union is, but... It's south of London. Okay. Well, that's Fort Stanley. Okay. So, yeah, one would anticipate that, you know, the communities outside of the GTA would have better insurance rates. Um, well, that's it, what I thought. You know, it, 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 it's interesting as well when we heard the early other caller who said he shopped around and was able to get a better deal. You know, that is a, an option. However, one thing that isn't really explained or, or promoted, I should say, is insurance companies they do have to file their rates before they can apply them and use them. And so the rates are, and and the request or the percentage increases are noted on the Financial Services Commission's website. And so that is one thing that, again, many times consumers are unfamiliar with is looking on that website and seeing what changes have been approved and which companies are getting what percentage increase. Because if you're a consumer for that company, uh, with that company, 
it at least may help you understand, I've got this increase coming at me. What do I want to do? It gives the, the consumer some more choice and advance warning and notice. Interesting. I was just talking to Pete about that story in the Toronto Star. Uh, this couple, their postal code changed, although they didn't yep. move, and they got a big increase in their insurance, I guess, because they're now in the same postal code as Brampton. And and Pete was saying, you know, what they didn't mention was that that company asked for and received a, a rate increase. That's right. That's right. So that, you know, over the course of, I think it was 13 months, when you look at the Fisco site, uh, you'll see that a particular company there in that situation had uh, approval for about a 7%, 7 and a bit percent rate increase. So even if well, they it- didn't move... Uh, or if the postal code didn't change, and sometimes with respect to the postal code changes, what happens, and, and I th- think this may be the case here, uh, is when you are looking at uh, urban versus rural, sometimes there are changes there because sometimes you are grouped with others who are doing more driving uh, rather than having access to transit, as we see in Toronto sometimes too. So there could be a whole number of reasons. I I think it's best always uh, to speak to the insurance representative that you're using and find out from that person because they know your file. Tried that, never got anywhere. Oh yeah, you know what? We have a 60% increase in our uh, our monthly uh, move draw. your business. We're both retired, and the fact is, who do you know that gets a sixty percent increase year to year? Well, it might be you know it might be that that city to rural thing. You know, again, it, it's a potential. But even if you say moving from a place like Brampton, which you know, many times we hear about how expensive insurance is there. Uh, to anywhere else in the province, you would expect uh, your rates would be uh, improving as opposed to uh, going up. So I, I think part of the challenge, you may wish to to contact uh, the, the Consumer Information Center at IBC because we do have folks there who are, are former brokers and may also be able to give you some suggestions and some guidance in terms of what Thank to you. do. And, okay, thanks for your call, Don. Uh, one thing I want to clarify, so insurance companies can get rate hikes and and the uh, regulator takes things into account like how well they're doing or if they've had big payouts so it doesn't necessarily have to do with the consumer their customers no no and, and the regulators do ask for a whole host of financial information and they want to make sure that the rates that are being charged are, are appropriate, are fair, but also will allow the insurance companies to continue to pay claims going forward. So uh, it's a balancing act that the regulator does do when they do approve rates, uh, but it's important for consumers to understand that there are changes that are made. And so Going to the source, looking at Fisco's website for that information gives us more information as consumers, and that's helpful to know. Uh, Pete, we're basically out of time. Uh, what else would you like to leave us with? I mean, well, you know, it, it is encouraging, I think, that this government has made a plan for changes to auto insurance and, and a thoughtful plan in the sense that they're being responsible. Rather than just making a political promise, they recognize that it's going to take a little bit of time because there are so many stakeholders involved. And I think as consumers, uh, we should all be uh, encouraged by that. And, and hopefully I look forward to coming back on the show and talking about perhaps some of the other changes that the government will introduce as they 
they move forward over this multi-year strategy. And uh, good tip, thank you, about looking on the financial, the Fisco website to see if your company applied for and got a big rate hike and that might be behind it and maybe... um, Time for you to move your business. You know, it's about transparency and, and getting information and knowing that that is available on the fiscal website under the rate approvals section. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Pete Karagiorgis from the Insurance Bureau of Canada. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.